Hi, everyone, and welcome to the May 20th, 2022 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. My guest today is an electric one. I promise you that. She's going to tell us how rising gas prices have affected the demand for electric vehicles. She's also going to tell us how long government EV incentives need to be in place. And the answer might surprise you. And she'll settle the debate, sort of, on just how many EV chargers are needed in Canada. All that and much, much more when I speak with the CEO of Plug and Drive, Kara Clareman, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Kara, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Always great to have you on. It's been a while since we've talked and it's been two years of this pandemic. So I'm wondering, how did the pandemic affect Plug and Drive and what it is um, your organization does? Sure. Well, uh, Plug and Drive is a nonprofit and we're all about accelerating EV adoption. We do that mostly through education uh, and offering people the chance to test drive vehicles in a no pressure environment. Um, but uh, of course, like everyone else, we had to shut down for a couple of months when the pandemic started. Uh, and, you know, when you focus your work on events and public outreach, it's a bit challenging because we couldn't do that. Uh, like lots of folks, we went online and we're doing all kinds of webinars and zoom related education which you know is great but of course people need to try the cars to be convinced and so uh, i felt it wasn't really uh doing the job but fortunately we we were able um in about june of 2020 to go to an appointment only system where we would like make online appointments with people and they would get sort of a one-on-one, you know, EV test drive. And we've been doing that ever since. Uh, and so we have been able to continue to do our work. We haven't been able to see as many people as we would have done because we can't do, you know, we haven't been able to do big events. But uh, but we, uh, one person at a time, we're still doing it. <laughs> so... There are several new vehicles coming to market. It seems almost daily I'm writing about or posting about some new EV or some new pledge to electrify a vehicle. Um, Do you offer the chance now to drive even more vehicles? I just wonder what your fleet is like, what you're allowing people to drive, what they can get their hands on. Well, we do have quite a few options. Uh, you know, unfortunately, right now in Ontario, the supply of vehicles is quite low. And so it's a challenge to find a vehicle to buy. It's a challenge for us to find vehicles to offer to drive. Um, but right now, for example, we have about 10 different makes and models available to try. So still quite a lot of variety and a few new ones coming soon. So, uh, you know, it's changing all the time. But um, the, the real challenge is in the supply, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, get people all excited and then they want to go off and find it to purchase. And, uh, and that can be a big challenge right now. Two things I want to follow up on there in, in terms of what's available for people to test drive. Does it really matter if they've never driven an EV before? which vehicle they drive for the first time? Because isn't the goal just to 
show them how an electric vehicle operates, kind of show them what they, excuse me, offer? Um, or, or do they expect to see particular models when they come into plug and drive? Well, uh, I would say, you know, to your question, yes and no. Yes, like you want people to feel that great acceleration, the quiet drive, you know, and all the makes and models have that. But if, for example, they happen to be, you know, a consumer that's at a certain budget, a certain, you know, price point, you don't want to be showing them something that's way outside of what they can, you know, buy. So it is nice for them to be able to try something that actually could work for their life. So, you know, that's the ideal scenario. In terms of inventory, is it difficult to get electric vehicles in Ontario because it's difficult to get electric vehicles anywhere? Or is it difficult in Ontario because automakers sort of allot their electric inventory to the provinces and jurisdictions that offer incentives because they know they'll sell the product there. Right. A few months ago, I would have said the latter. It's mostly because, you know, Quebec has a better incentive. And so the vehicles go there and we can't get them here. Uh, So that's still a factor. But now there's also added on top of that, the problem that everyone's having, which is, you know, there's no supply of lots of different vehicles now, uh, gas vehicles included. Um, and, uh, and so it's just a challenging supply market everywhere, but, but Ontario faces an extra challenge because there are other provinces with much better, uh, policies and the vehicles that there are do tend to go there. So let's talk about demand for a minute. What is the demand for EVs like right now at sort of a national level? I would say it's never been higher. I would say at the end of the pandemic, you had a lot of people saying, you know, now I'm going to do it. My next car is going to be electric. And then gas prices went up so much. And then really people who were kind of on the fence were like, yeah, that's it. I'm doing it. And so you have a lot of pent up demand and not a lot of supply. So it's a challenge all across the country. And that's why, you know, that's why I actually think we really do need a ZEV mandate which, um, as you probably know, ZEV mandate means zero emission vehicle mandate, which is a law like what they have in California. They have it in BC and in Quebec as well, which says, hey, automaker, if uh, you want to sell these gas vehicles, you have to sell a certain percentage of EVs, and that requires them to have a certain number on the lot. And, uh, you know, we know that that helps. It, it, It really helps. You mentioned gas prices. Was there a price in mind like as you watch the evolution of this and the uptake of electric vehicles from where you sit because you watch it much more closely than I do. Were you like, "Hey, if it hits a dollar 90, that's the tipping point." Or $2 <laughs> is the tipping point. Was there a magic number along the way over the last 2 years as gas has steadily increased that was the tipping point? Well, you know, it's interesting. I never thought about whether there was or is a magic number, although $2 has to be pretty magical (laughs) for a lot of people. Um, But, you know, when I plug in my vehicle at night and electricity costs me, you know, less than 30 cents a liter equivalent, uh, you know, when it gets to a, a nice divisible number like, oh, it went from, 
uh, one fifth the price to one sixth the price, you know, from like a dollar fifty to a dollar eighty or whatever. Um, you know, those are pretty significant savings. And so when people say, oh, well, these cars are just too expensive. I'm like, really? Do the math. You know what? You're going to make that back in no time flat, depending on how much you drive. In Ontario specifically, it's the biggest market in Canada in terms of retail and in terms of auto. Um, yet it's a jurisdiction where incentives don't exist. What's demand like in Ontario? Is it increasing as much as other places, even without incentives? No, it isn't. I mean, it is increasing, but like I said, there's a supply problem, so it doesn't increase as much as it could. And then on top of that, uh, you know, you got other provinces that uh, have those good incentives, so more vehicles going there. And so if you look at the numbers, I mean, the numbers don't lie. Um, BC uh, is at about 12% new car sales. Uh, Quebec is at about 10%. Ontario is hovering around 3%. So, you know, what's the difference? I mean, the difference is the additional incentive. Do you expect whoever wins the June 2nd election to reinstate incentives, even if that's Doug Ford's conservatives? Because there is demand for it. People certainly want it. The automakers want incentives. But Doug Ford has been steadfast in saying he is not going to reinstate them. But I wonder if you get a sense that it might happen just because gas prices are so high. You know what? We've seen no signal that the conservatives would put it in. I mean, they've been very adamant against it. So I would say unlikely. All the other parties have said that they would. Have you spoken with Doug Ford and or people in his cabinet directly or, him, with him no i haven't have you talked to the party about incentives in major case yeah i have i have they they're just sort of philosophically opposed to it um i i i can't necessarily explain it what are your thoughts on the federal government's ev incentives and um zev plan it was part of the budget recently um do you approve of it do you like it how do you rate it Yes. I mean, I, I'm supportive of it. I mean, $5,000 incentive is nothing to sneeze at. Is it, you know, enough? No, probably needs to be a little bit more, but uh, but it definitely helps. And they have put in, a if they all end up being legislated, I mean, right now it's just proposed, right? The, the, the ZEV mandate and they're going to have a, you know, program for heavy duty uh, they've got some stuff on transit there. They they really covered the waterfront. I feel like it's a very good plan, but now we have to make sure it, it goes through. You know, that's the only, I think, hesitation that I have is that, you know, some of these items might get dropped. We talked magic number when it came to gas. What's the magic number when it comes to uh, uh, incentives? Is there a percentage of the vehicle cost? Is it a flat number? The feds is $5,000, um, depending on where you live in BC or Quebec, I think it'd be as high as twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000. Is there a magic number that the federal government needs to sort of put out there as an incentive? Well, uh, I'm not sure. It seems like the magic seems to happen when you get somewhere in the ballpark of eight to 10000 um, And, you know, to be honest, I don't believe that these incentives will be needed for much longer. 
you know, they're needed now because there is still a gap in the price of a sort of equivalent gas car to electric. The savings are very significant, but, you know, you have to be able to convince people pay now to save later, which is hard. You know, not everyone has the money to pay now and save later. So uh, so that incentive really helps for that. But I could see that, you know, in, uh, you know, it's only three, four years that, you know, I think there'll be this price differential. Once we start making more and more EVs, economies of scale kick in, batteries are getting cheaper, you know, then the prices are more, uh, you know, we hit that magic price parity. And when that happens, you know, then the incentives aren't needed anymore. So certainly I don't believe we were in like for a long term need for these things. But for the next couple of years, we need them. And when you really think about it, you know, we every level of government is saying we're in a climate emergency. We can't wait a 10 years. Well, if that's the case, then we need to really get those incentives going now. And then we won't need them in a couple of years. We've thought out loud among our staff that maybe the reason governments don't raise the incentives much higher than $5,000 is because the grid can't handle a huge onslaught of new electric vehicles. Is there any truth to that? How will our grid um, stand up to sort of a, a big influx of EVs if it comes to that? Okay, it's a fair point. Uh, I don't think there's any, though correlation between the discussions around the incentive and the grid uh it's different people and different i i've never heard those discussions taking place but at the same time it is a valid concern um what i can tell you in terms of the grid now i can't speak for like every single province but in general right now most provinces have quite a, a good surplus of electricity at night and that's when most people will plug in their cars and so you know, it's not an imminent problem. Um, over time, yeah, will we need more electricity? Yeah, yeah, we will. But I mean, it's not something that can't be managed and planned for, you know. Last topic, we hear so many different numbers when it comes to the number of EV chargers needed in Canada. We have people criticizing the government that their estimations are too low. We have um, auto groups that represent automakers saying the number needs to be much, much higher into the hundreds of thousands. Um, what is the right number in yeah. your opinion? Okay. I, I have to say I am definitely not, uh, what should I say? I'm an outlier on this particular topic. I don't think we need nearly as much as the automakers are saying we need. Um, first of all, the stats will tell you 80% of EV drivers charge at home at night. So right there, like it's not, we don't use them like we use the gas stations. It's not the same, right? So this is something you do on a road trip. This is not something you're doing every day. Now, you know, to be fair, there are people who live in Merbs or have no garage or, you know, street parking and all this. And they they're going to need more public charging. And do we need more public charging? Sure. You know, you do need more, but not nearly as much more as as they're saying, not not even close. I mean, we need to be strategic. We need to have it in certain locations. We need to make it possible for people who live, you know, that don't live urban 
you know, but honestly, if you're an urban suburban commuter, you, you know, there is absolutely no reason to wait. The, the infrastructure is already decent. I always liken it to my cell phone. I wake up in the morning. It's fully charged. I use it all day long and I charge it before I go to bed. And I don't think I've ever run out of charge on my cell phone. And I'm a journalist who's calling people and texting people and checking email from 6 a.m. until, you know, 10 p.m. So it's a very similar circumstance, exactly. isn't it? It is. And look, the the thing is, it's a different model, so people can't really imagine what that's like. But the phone is a very good analogy because people say to me, well, how long will it take to charge? And I say, well, who cares? <laughs> you know, like, it's overnight when you're sleeping. It's not relevant most of the time. Kara, always great to have you on the program. Tons of insight. You're an expert in this field. I love talking about it. I Full full disclosure, I don't own an EV, but I'm finally considering one. Well, you you're gonna have to do it soon with these gas prices. You you just can't resist. I'm uh, sort of in agreement. They are uh, they're higher than I could ever have imagined. Um, I want to thank you for being on the show. It's always great. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Greg. Take care. Anytime. I want to thank Kara for being my guest this week. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment. Email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.